Welcome back to Heart of the Order podcast. It is May 8th, three days after Cinco de Mayo, and we are back. Uh, we took a brief hiatus to study some different spin rates going on with baseballs and some pine tar allegations. We've just been digging in the that. analytics. How have we been, guys? Things are going well. How about you guys? Living life to the fullest every day. Still trying to recover from Saturday night. <laughs> Things are good with me. Like I said, we've been uh, we've been digging real deep in in all the the rumors and uh, spin rates, and we we've just been so caught up in research and analytics that we haven't really had time to record. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty much been our life the last four weeks. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Bauer came out, and I gotta say, when he speaks, I listen, and I'm digging deep into this. <laughs> All right, so leading off, um, we're about a month into baseball, a little bit over. Um, you know, all of us being from the Midwest, I think the, the weather's finally starting to turn. I don't know about you guys, but I'm uh, pretty excited for that. Um, but I think we'll, we'll just dive right into, uh, Brad hit on it a little bit, but are the Houston Astros cheating? Um, to give you guys a little context for our listeners out there, um, Trevor Bauer really took to Twitter to voice his opinion pretty strongly against the Houston Astros and more specifically their pitching staff. And he actually did went on to elaborate further kind of later on. But initially, um, fired a tweet, and I'll just read it for you guys, then I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. But Trevor Bauer, this was a couple weeks ago, so May 1st, um, about a week ago, Bauer tweeted, said, if only there was one really quick way to increase spin rate. Like, what if you could trade for a player knowing that you could bump his spin rate for a couple hundred RPM, or bump his spin rate a couple hundred RPM overnight? Imagine the steals you could get on the trade market. If only that existed. So Bauer uh, really taking a shot at Houston. Um, Lance McCullers kind of took exception to it um, and, and fired right back and said, Jealousy isn't a good look on you, my man. You have great stuff and have worked hard for it. Like the rest of us, no need for this. I will ask, though, because my spin rate and spin axis on my four seam is ass. <laughs> so, McCullers, I got a kick out of, out of his response firing back. Um, Brad, we'll start with you. What, what is your take? And we'll dig a little bit deeper, hopefully, on this topic. But what's your take on the initial Trevor Bauer uh, firing at the Strohs and Lance McCullers firing back? My, my first hot take that I'd like to say is what a great Twitter handle, at Bauer Outage. <laughs> mad props to Trevor Bauer for thinking of that. It's real original. It's legendary. But, you know, I, I got to say, I think he might be onto something. Um, but it is a little bit fishy that, um, you know, Garrett Cole's having a great year. Verlander's having a great year. But Keuchel is not. True. So that, that's the one outlier that I have to throw out there. But, you know, I, I don't doubt it at all. There's always been doctoring going on with baseballs. Micah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think it's it's fishy. I think the the number one uh, you know case you can look at is Verlander. I'm sure Brad can talk to this a little more, but he you know was starting to to really struggle and and de- his numbers were on a steady decline. Um, you know, from being the ace Cy Young con- you know perennial Cy Young contender that he was in you know 2011 2012. To where you know he was becoming a middle to back of the rotation pitcher with the Tigers, and then last year he goes over to Houston is unbelievable. 
Oh, okay, maybe you can chalk that up to you know just a, a rejuvenation. Yeah. And but then he so far this year it's just continued, and I mean he's only getting older. And I think well, I, I saw a graph somewhere that showed his just his spin rates over the last four years just a step a step bar graph each year getting faster faster going way higher when it got to the Astros so um yeah I'd say it's a possibility but I so I gotta my next question to you guys would be then um and and this is this is an this is an interesting thing because then you can get into not even just pitchers you can get into their lineup and things like that um is this so let's frame this is this a doctoring the baseball issue or is this a performance enhancing issue in Houston because those are two different things um let's be honest I mean in my opinion if I'm watching a starting pitcher every single pitcher is messing with something with the baseball I I don't know whether Houston's doing you know a a heavier substance to get better I don't know so I think I think we should pinpoint the issue right away and say you know what is this a Houston pitchers doctoring the baseball or is this Houston pumping their pitchers full of performance-enhancing drugs, which is leading to increased spin rate and all these other things. Because I think if we're talking about a doctoring the ball issue, um, I, I mean, you go watch any starting pitcher, pretty much every pitcher's doing it. I mean, I, you would watch Arietta the last three, four years with the Cubs, and I watched him every start. He was always licking his hand, wiping his pants. I mean, you can't tell me that these starting pitchers aren't doing it. It's kind of an unwritten rule. Now, if you go Michael Pineda style and put it on your wrist, then, okay, we have a problem. But, I mean... Everybody knows that most pitchers are doctoring the baseballs in in one way or another. So I'd be curious to get your perspective. So is is this a doctoring the baseball or is this performance enhancing? Two distinct different things. Brad, we'll start with you. I think it's just another way of doctoring the baseballs. Um, You know, unless you're going to come out and say, you know, you can't touch any part of your body, I don't think there's really any way to stop it. Um, You know, guys have gotten so creative – one memory that I have is Kenny Rogers oh, pitching yeah. in the World Series for the Tigers. He had that big old dark spot on his hat, and you know it's it's clear it was pine tar. And pitchers are doing it; they've done it forever. You know the spin rate thing's kind of new, and you know there is proof that it does increase spin rates. Um, you know, but I think everybody can get away with it if they really want to. Right, um, Micah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think it's something with doctoring the ball. I I don't really know what the performance-enhancing drug or whatever would be that would help you increase your spin rate. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's not necessarily directly correlated to spin rate, but, you know, obviously some sort of performance-enhancing drug, it it doesn't necessarily, you know, there's, I'll get into that in a minute. I'll I'll get your thoughts first, but there's more to it. I would just say it's either a new kind of substance, possibly, or using, you know, a, something like pine tar in a way that hadn't been utilized before that really helps on the spin rate. Right, and and to give you guys a little bit of context with this, um, w- one of the reasons that Bauer kind of took to Twitter is Garrett Cole and him were actually teammates at UCLA, and there's been a significant jump, like we said, in his spin rate on his fastball. Um, to, to provide a little context, Cole averaged 2,163 RPM on his four-seamer in 2017 compared to 2,332 this year. So, I mean, that's a significant, significant that's a jump. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's sporting a 173 ERA through six starts on the season. Um, but what I thought was interesting, um, and, and I want to get a little bit into the performance-enhancing 
kind of stay woke with you guys theory on this because um, there is quite a bit of information out there and, and some of it does seem fishy to me I'll be honest with you I hope nobody's cheating we all know that there's a lot of players in baseball that do it that just haven't been caught and kind of stay ahead of the curve but um, Bauer on his last start averaged 2,597 RPMs in the first inning a noticeable spike over his average of 2,300 per stat cast okay so Bauer took to Twitter to call out Houston. When they fired back, he kept his mouth shut, went out there, and clearly was doing something different with the baseball. And then after the game, declined comment when the reporters asked him if he was doctoring it. What are your thoughts on that, Micah? We'll start with you. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, it definitely opens the door to you, you thinking that, you know, in Bauer's mind, all right, if MLB is going to kind of, silently know that the Astros are doing it, it, that's kind of going to give me the green light. So I'm going to try it and see, you know, I mean, you know, worst cases you get thrown out of the game and maybe a a one one start suspension. But, um, yeah, it definitely seems a little fishy. Well, and and again, to provide a little bit of further context, um, Bauer – Basically said, I mean, he. I, I read the whole article of, of him explaining himself and kind of why he had an issue with it. He basically went out and said in the offseason, he tests different substances. Like he straight, he'll straight up tell you. I mean, Bowers is straightforward as it gets, and it's actually kind of fascinating. Um, he basically said, he's like, yeah, I, I go and play around with different substances, and there's no doubt that some of them increase spin rate, increase you know movement, things like that over others. So it's just interesting to me. It seemed to me like he kind of knew what they were doing and knew it wasn't right, even though you know a lot of pitchers doctor the baseball, but he kind of had a pretty good idea, I think, of the even specific substance that they were doing, whatever that is. And he went out and did the same thing because obviously he jumped 200 RPMs or almost 300 RPMs, um, which is a, a more of a spike than what we've even seen Garrett Cole between 2017 and 2018. So um, very, very interesting Um that, again, in, in this new age of social media and things like that, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see these pitchers kind of chirp at each other behind the scenes. But, Brad, what are your thoughts on Bauer's increased RPMs in his last start? Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely made it a point to go out there and, and do something to the baseball to prove his point. Because when I was looking at his so-called Twitter rant, I guess is what we can call it, um, it, it was interesting to read some of his replies to people that were calling him out you know, he, he did say, like you just said, Josh, you know, I've tested all of this stuff during the off season, And then, you know, right after they called him out for, for getting on their case, he goes out there and really proves his point. And, you know, by him saying no comment when asked if he was doing that. He's giving him the middle finger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he definitely just proved his point. Oh, for sure. And, and again, it's really... I mean, there's been issues with people doctoring the baseball forever, let's be honest. Um, and I guess that, that bodes that bodes the question. Should Major League Baseball just allow foreign substances? T- to me, it's it's ridiculous that they say, okay, we can't doctor baseballs, we can't do this, we can't do that. Yet, I mean, I'm serious. If you turned on the average Major League Baseball game, I don't care if you're watching the Texas Rangers versus the Tigers or you're watching Oakland versus Seattle, I don't care what it is. Every single starting pitcher has something on him to help get a grip. And, and I don't blame the pitchers. I'm not blaming them. If you can get away with it, why on earth wouldn't you do it? Um, should Major League Baseball allow foreign substances on baseballs then? Because uh, it's pretty evident that most everybody does it. 
See, I don't, I don't think that you can just come out and say, oh yeah, you know, go crazy, you know, have pine tar right there on the mound, you know, put it in your club, do whatever you want. I think they have to keep monitoring it. Like if somebody's doing something that's blatantly obvious. Like Pineda, like when, yeah. Right, like Pineda and, you know, you could even go back when, was it Buckholz who was like literally just oiling up his yeah, hair yeah. so much and he kept going to it. Finally, the, the umps caught on after a couple starts that he was doing something. You know, if it's obvious like that, by all means, shut it down. But, you know, we, we can't get carried away with it and, you know, have him bringing it out there. And, sure. And, yeah, know. during a mound visit, he pulls out right. a stick of pine tar and hands it to the pitcher. Right. Yeah, and but it is kind of curious because then you look back at examples. Um, this was just an example of a Cubs game I witnessed. But, I mean, you can't tell me that Molina, was it last year or the year before, he blocked a ball in the dirt, and literally the ball came up and stuck to his chest protector. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There, I'm not accusing. I mean, obviously, Molina had something on his chest protector that was a substance that was sticky because the ball physically stuck to it, which obviously should not happen because it's not a sticky material. Um, but it's it's evident that you know whether it's the pitcher or if it's not the pitcher, it's probably the catcher. The teams are getting creative with these ways. Um, and it was kind of interesting that Molina never even got, um, you know, questioned or anything with that. I mean, that, that's about as obvious as a case as, as you're going to find whatever it was on him. I don't, again, I, I'm not totally clear on the rules, but um, it, it just, I don't know. Michael, what are your thoughts? Should, should MLB just go out and say, you know what, this has been going on forever? Or are you, you following Brad's path? Which, Brad, I actually, I agree with your train of thought. It's just an interesting question to raise. Yeah, I think... Uh, I'd, I'd agree with Brad. You can't. I wouldn't just let it be legal, but there, it's obviously hard to catch every way, every time someone's gonna use something to doctor the ball. So I would just say keep keep an eye on it. Kind of just keep it the way it is. I mean, okay. Well, I, um, if, so- if, I would say maybe like at this point, I think they should do a little. Uh, digging deeper into the Astros, I mean, if you look at the evidence that there is, I think there's enough, you know, to warrant an investigation of some some sort. So sure. Um, so maybe crack down a little bit, but I, yeah, I guess it's just kind of one of those things that it's always going to be in the game, and I, I think the way they've handled it has been generally okay. So yeah, I guess my my next my next kind of thing I want to get into, and let's let's stay on the topic of the Houston Astros for a minute because it is interesting, and I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I try and make sense of it in my mind, but um, do you guys think that Bauer was taking a shot at all at Houston regarding performance enhancing drugs? I know we talked spin rate, and obviously he was you know accusing them of doctoring baseballs. But do you think that it was also a jab at performance-enhancing drugs? And, and to give you guys a little more depth on it, um, I mean, I, I'm just going to go down go down the list here of Houston has been a destination where guys have just all of a sudden been able to resurrect their careers from a hitting and pitching standpoint, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, go down the line of, of Verlander coming over. And we know they've done a great job of developing. I'm not, I'm not taking away. I'm not even really trying to take shots at Houston. I'm just simply bringing up the topic because it's interesting. Um, so, you know, got, Verlander gets traded last year, has been lights out ever since. Um, Garrett Cole gets traded, is lights out. 
Um, Charlie Morton is another example. I mean, Micah, we watched that guy pitch in Pittsburgh for four years, and, and he was a fifth starter at best. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe in his best year, a fourth starter for Pittsburgh. And they had a decent staff, but nothing lights out. Morton is now, you know, what they've kind of put him in a swing type of role, whether he starts or whatever, but or comes out of the pen. They have him in a swingman type of role. But that guy's just been lights out. His velocity jumped. I mean, and, and to provide some context hitting, I think of guys like, I know Josh Reddick was good in Oakland, but then he really struggled for a while. Then he, you know, resurrects his career with, Houston, and all of a sudden, I know his average isn't the greatest this year, but his power is back up. Um, another example, Yulieski Gurriel, who I think came over from Cuba. He's like 31 when he signs with the Astros, and all of a sudden, he's a slugger and is just all of a sudden just amazing. Um, Jose Altuve bats, you know, 330 every single season. And again, I know Altuve is a great player, but with his size and his ability to hit for power, I mean, in my mind, there's something a little bit fishy going on um, in Houston when you look at example after example after I mean, to, in my mind, sooner or later in baseball, water finds its level, right? You hear that term all the time. I think that you get guys like Altuve who, you know, even on his best year if he hits 320, and, and maybe he is, you know, the next, you know, Mike Trout kind of thing, which, I'm again, I'm not trying to take away from Altuve, but I do think it raises some questions because you would think a guy wouldn't be able to hit 330 year in and year out and, and you're seeing guys like Altuve and, and I mean go down the line Springer Bre- I mean these guys are just all built like trucks and not saying they're not good players but w- what are your thoughts surrounding performance enhancing drugs in Houston specifically Brad I'll start with you yeah I mean I think you bring up a lot of interesting cases um, you know but for for the longest time you know we heard about Houston's farm system and how you know, they expected, you know, right around this time for them to start reaching their peak. Um, you know, Bregman was, what, a number two overall pick. Springer was a top, you know, top pick. Um, you know, but it is interesting when you bring up examples like Reddick, you know, a guy who's kind of been a journeyman, having a great year so far. And then, you know, like you said, with Duriel and even Marwin Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, say, bizarre. You know, I mean, it, it, it definitely raises some eyebrows. Um, it makes you wonder if maybe they found something that isn't being tested for. You know, it seems like no matter how good the test is, people always find find ways to beat it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's fair for us to make accusations. Yeah, no, me either. But, yeah. but, it, but it is fishy. It definitely is. So, and again, I'd have to dig a little bit deeper on this too, but to, to go even a little bit further... I am, um, in, I, you know, if we have a, a, an award-winning listener out there that wants to check on this or one of us can do it um, and, and bring it up next episode, um, supposedly that Houston hired a guy kind of when, when they weren't very good a few years ago and they had all these young guys in the minors, there was a, a tie somewhere down the line where Houston hired this like really progressive um, analytics like genius kind of like computer type guy from IBM and I, I want to say that there's again I'm not I'm not just I'm not accusing but I, I want to say that there was like some sort of ties to like this doctor and I mean there's a whole like almost conspiracy theory of this guy that they hired from IBM had links to all these like progressive technology things and basically like saying okay this guy has ties to like what would be 
steroids like ahead of the game, if that makes sense. Um, again, I, I don't, I'm not accusing. I'm just simply raising the discussion because it's it's interesting to me. And you know, we've we've provided some examples of players, and I think it's it, it would be worth a deeper look. Again, our our role here at, at Heart of the Order, we're not sitting here accusing anyone of anything. I I like watching Houston because they're a great young team and have tons of firepower. Um, but I think it'd be a little silly not to ask these questions. Um, so somebody out there, do some digging, see if they can find that guy from IBM, and, and see if there's any ties to anything fishy. I'd be I'd be curious. We could be uh, breaking some news on Heart of the Order. It you could be a big a tie break between that guy and LeBron. And yeah, I think really we might bring down everybody. <laughs> LeBron, Brady, the the Astros, they're all using Heart of the Order. Here first, bringing them all down. Um, well, I think. We, let's let's move on to uh, we, that was a really good discussion on the Astros and, and again I'll, I'll emphasize it one more time so we don't we don't take the heat because uh, I know there's a lot of uh, radio shows out there listening to us but um, yeah it's it just you know bringing up conversation talking about it that's what we do if there, if there's you know questions and concerns that we're not afraid to discuss it here on the podcast um, that, that was a, a really solid discussion. Um, let's, let's go around the horn now. Um, you know, we're a little over a month into baseball, taking a little, you know, snapshot of the national league. Um, Micah, we'll start with you. What, give me some national, a national league team or two that has surprised you so far. Well, I think the easy ones would be the nationals and Dodgers, um, both struggling the Dodgers more so even than the, uh, the nationals who've you know, kind of turned it around lately and have gotten themselves back within two games of first place, but still are in fourth at the moment. Nationals and Cubs have kind of had a similar similar start. Yeah. Um, not great, not anything where they're burying themselves early, but certainly not the start they wanted. Where the Dodgers sitting at four under and now with Kershaw on the DL, Turner on the DL. Seager done for the year. And Seager's done for the year. There's certainly, and, you know, Arizona in their division playing really well. Colorado playing really well. San Francisco even has been playing really well. So they could be in some serious trouble um, if they don't at least tread water here to, you know, for maybe a second half push or if they're going to make maybe go out and make a deal. But, yeah, I would say, I mean, Atlanta's been the upward surprisingly good team I think you know not many people pick St. Louis or Arizona to win their divisions but it's not really that surprising that you know that they're off to everyone kind of expected them to be good teams so a a good start's not shocking I guess the only other NL team that has been a little surprised has been the Pirates they were a team that some people thought would be really bad and they've been pretty good sure Um, so I guess those are my surprises in in the NL. Okay, Brad, what what are your thoughts on the NL thus far? Yeah, I I just want to talk about the Braves. Yeah, <laughs> I was so hoping good, you'd bring them up. And they're so young. I mean, they finally brought up Acuna, and he is everything that we thought he'd Homered be. Homered again tonight. Breaking yep. news. Da, 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 breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> Ozzy Albies has been awesome. Uh, Dansby was having a good year before he went on the DL. They just called up the Soroka kid. He's yeah, made two I like starts. his stuff. He's looked pretty good. The, the pitching rotation, though, is what's been the biggest surprise. Sean Newcomb has been a surprise. Newcomb. Uh, is it fulton Nevich? He's Mike fulton Nevich, really yeah. And even Brandon McCarthy has been lights out. I mean. Yeah, you talk about a journeyman. 
Yeah, and the thing is, is they just got so many prospects that are still ready to come up and contribute. Luis Gohara is going to come up, you know, Colby Allard, you know, you name it. There, there's guys waiting, and the Braves are going to be a scary good team. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and they have some of the best young pitching prospects that get overlooked because of guys and how like how good Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies are. I mean, they got you could go down the line. Um, Kyle Wright's another name. Um, there's there's three or four. I'm talking about top tier arms. Besides Mike Soroka, who's already up and contributing, who by the way is 20 years old. Ronald Acuna Jr., by the way, is 20 years old. Ozzy Albies, oh, by the way, is 21 years old. And I was reading another um, little bit today, and they have, is it a is it a third baseman? Riley. Austin Riley. Austin Riley, who's just about ready to break through. He's, what, yep. 20 or 21 years old. I mean, you talk about a young core coming through and clicking at the right time. Um, I actually thought the uh, – Jose Batista signing was kind of cool for the Braves. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, talk about a, a no-risk kind of deal. I don't know if he was a minor league deal or, you know, the, basically a lower-end major league contract, but um, a, a no-risk situation where if this young core does come up and, hey, they are the real deal, he's a guy who could help right away. I mean, yeah. no no doubt about it. Um, I think you guys hit on a lot of um, – Micah, you touched on a lot of the teams that were kind of surprisingly struggling to start the year. Um yeah, I think uh, the the Braves in in the Phillies really uh, the Phillies are off to a great start. Um, you know they're sitting four games above five hundred. Can they keep it up? I don't know. But with you know Arietta leading the rotation, Nola's thrown well all year. Um, he's kind of emerging as as a top level, top one or two starter in that rotation, and he's only twenty four years old. Um, Philly's got a nice young core with Reese Hoskins out there in the outfield. Um, Franco's, Herrera's having a great year. Yep, Odubel Herrera, who's played a lot of center field. Michael Franco's picking things up after a struggling sophomore season last year. Um, I mean, you talk about young core, and, and you got to bring up the, the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Um, one team that's interesting to me that uh, we talked a little bit about them, and, and they've been bit by the injury bug as well, and that is um, the San Francisco Giants. So, you, you know, you talk about losing Madison Bumgarner before the season. Um, well, I don't know what's going on with Cueto, but I think it's pretty serious. Am I right? Yeah, it's not Tommy John, but they're going to have to shut him down for like eight weeks. Yeah, and, and they were without Samarja at the beginning of the year, and now he's really struggled coming back. I mean, you talk about a team without their top three pitchers, and yet they're sitting at 19 and 16. The San Francisco Giants have to feel pretty darn good about where things are at right now, in all seriousness. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and even guys like McCutcheon and Longoria are batting in the 240s. It's not like they're red hot. Um, Buster Posey's doing his thing like he always does. Hunter Pence is now kind of transitioning to – he might even be injured, but he's kind of transitioning into a, a lesser role. Um, Austin Jackson is batting, you know, 230s, low 240s. I mean, you're talking about an offense that hasn't fully clicked yet they're without their top three starters. A guy like Bumgardner comes back and starts doing what he does. I mean, again, there, there's a lot of question marks, but keep an eye on the Giants because if, you, if you're Giants fans, I mean, I'd be thrilled if I was them. Um, so sticking with Around the Horn, let's uh, transition to the American League now. Um, well, let's start off right in the, in the American League East. Um, Boston and the Yankees. Micah, we'll start with you. Um, this is going to be a fun race to watch all year. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Boston came out of the gates. I think they got up to seventeen and two start. Um, 
Yankees now have won 15 out of 16 or 16 out of 16, I don't know, something like that. Um, so it, it's pretty clear those two are two of probably the best three or four teams in baseball on paper, and they're going to be battling out uh, the whole year. It's safe to assume that it's going to be one of them is going to win the East, one of them is going to be in the wild card. So, you know, obviously very important to to win the division because you don't want to be in that one-game playoff. Sure. So, yeah, that's going to be a great It's a bummer race. that one of those two teams is, is going to have to right. be in the wild card. <laughs> But I think also keep your eye on the the Blue Jays. They're they're nineteen and sixteen, um, and they were a team that wasn't expected to do much at all this year. They've you know come Strowman's out. really struggled too. Yeah, they've they've had a pretty good start. Um, well, and you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and uh, um, shortstop Bo Bichette, who are both yeah. hitting very very well in the minors at Double A. Who you you will see them by the end of the year. Don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, they're they're mashing, at, especially Guerrero Jr. He's got a 13-game hit streak in Double A. Bo Bichette is batting. All those guys are batting over 300. And actually, um, is it? I think it's Craig Biggio's son is on the Blue Jays as well. He's on that same team. I think he bats fourth in both Biggio, Bichette, and Guerrero Jr. are all batting over 300 and mashing. Um, and I don't know if Biggio's is a big name of a prospect, but he was a very high draft pick, highly touted guy. Um, Double check me on that, but I believe it's Craig Biggio's son. Um, but you're going to see Guerrero and Bichette sooner rather than later in Toronto, and, and I'm pretty excited for it. Um, Brad, let's get your thoughts on the American League East race, and, and can the Blue Jays hang around with those two big dogs? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really happy as, you know, I you know me, I always pull for the Yankees a little bit. Sure. Um, it's nice to see the electricity back in the rivalry. You know, they had a little benches clearing incident earlier in the year. Um, so I'm excited to watch them match up a bunch of times this year. And I think at, at the end, when it's all said and done, Toronto's going to fall off a little bit. Um, they're going to have an interesting decision to make as far as it goes with Josh Donaldson. Um, I think they're going to have to try and unload him and, and get what they can because, as you mentioned, Guerrero is the future at third base. Sure. In, in Tulowitzki, um uh, is he shut down for the year? No, he's supposed to come back at some point, but I mean, at this Who point, knows? Yeah. his career is just... It's really a sad day. situation with, with yeah. how how good he could have been. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, he's still owed a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Um, good, well, uh, that, let's shift to the AL Central then. Um, I mean, Brad, let's... Let's be honest. Your, your Tigers are fourteen to twenty, and we're only three games out of the division lead. They're a bullpen away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, obviously there's some flaws on that roster, but they're. I mean, they realistically could could be twenty and fourteen. Like it could realistically be opposite of what the record is. Yeah. But the bullpen, as it always has been, is just such an Achilles heel. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird how like it's just this thing that they can't seem to get over the hump on it. I mean, it's been that way for God as long as we've been alive, all three of us. Yeah. Um. It, it seems like my whole life they've struggled, even in their their best years, that decade of championship baseball they were playing in Detroit. The bullpen was always their Achilles heel. It seemed like. Um, it's it's interesting they can't turn around. I mean, we'll give Basio some time, and you can't put it all on a pitching coach, obviously, but. 
Um, you know, maybe a guy like Basio will help some of those guys figure it out over time. Who knows? But small sample size, it hasn't been good. Again, I'm not blaming Basio, but um, are, are do you guys think so? The Twins are at 15 and 17. Cleveland's at 500. I mean, obviously, do we consensus? Is it consensus that Cleveland's going to win the division? I think so, but the Twins could get hot. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Twins have something to say about that, but I think the favorite would be Cleveland. You'd like to think they're going they're going to push up towards at least high eighties wins. Yeah, maybe break ninety. Where the Twins seem to be more like an eighty five win team. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I mean, the Twins are. I kind of picture them right where they were last year. Maybe you know contending. For that second wild card spot, it just depends. I mean, it's going to be really, really stiff competition this year with a lot of teams playing good baseball early on. Um, so I think let's shift a little bit to the the West. Um, are the Angels legit? We had a we had a pretty intense discussion about Shohei Otani, and we brought up the question, you know, in spring training, should he even be starting the year in the major leagues? Um, are the Angels legit, Micah? Let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I definitely think they are. I mean. They've got they've got the depth. They've got the best player in, in the MLB, and they've got Shohei, who's so far proven us wrong, or at least me. I remember I, I thought he should start the minors, and I mean, I think we all kind of agree. Yeah, on that. I mean, I, I don't think I mean I want to hurt him if he did, but he's proven that he didn't really need that so far. And um, yeah, I mean, right now they're they're ahead of the the defending champs by a half game, and. I'd say that they're definitely legit. Yeah, and in looking at Otani's stats a little deeper, he's started, what, five games, um, 26 innings pitch, he's got a 410 ERA, 118 whip, um, he's 3-1, and one. so I mean, you know, not overpowering pitching numbers, but he's definitely holding his own. I mean, if you talk about, you know, small sample size, obviously, hopefully it holds up, but it, it seems to me like, he, you know, he's at least holding his own from a pitching perspective. Then you look at his hitting numbers a little bit. Um, he's only got 59 at-bats, so it's not like he's you know had a ton. But he's got a 339 average with four home runs and 14 RBIs. Um, you know, we were kind of scoffing and, and laughing a little bit at his bat in spring training, thinking, oh, there's no way, like maybe he's just going to pitch or whatever. Um, I think we even brought up the topic, maybe pick one or the other, but don't do both. Um, just something we haven't seen before. Um, Brad, what do you thought? Can, can Otani keep up these stats both? hitting and pitching, and is there one that you think, you know, is he going to be a lights-out hitter and struggle on the mound or vice versa? What, what are your thoughts around Otani as, as the season goes on? I, I think he looks legitimate as a pitcher and a hitter at this point. Uh, as you mentioned, it's a pretty small sample size. But, I mean, everything I've seen suggests that he's at least MLB average, if not better, at both of those positions. Yeah. So is this going to pave the way, uh, Otani? Is he going to pave the way for more players like him to come up and contribute? Um, obviously, it takes up two roster spots, basically, at the, with the price of one, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think, what's what's the name of the Rays' first base prospect? Um, McKay, Brendan McKay, yeah. is, is very similar, where he's raking in the minor leagues. He's also a very good pitcher. Um, you know, are we going to see more McKay and Otani-type Guys, is that going to be kind of the new brand of baseball as, as we emerge into 2018 and beyond? Um, Michael, I'll get your, your thoughts around that. I hope so. I think it kind of makes sense. The, the shift of 
of baseball as a whole into starters not going as long, becoming more reliant on bullpens. That means you need more pitchers. And if you're, you know, more okay with finding a lot of value in a pitcher that can throw you one or two innings every couple days, then that that doesn't take as much of a toll on a guy who can do that as well as be a pretty regular position player. So yeah. I think with the, the more we're seeing specialists, you know, over, you know, starters that go eight and nine innings every outing, I think that just opens up possibilities for players to do both yeah. if they have the, the talent to do that. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it makes so much sense, too. I mean, if, if you look at any high school baseball team, even college teams, I'd say eight times out of ten, the pitcher's usually the best hitter on the team as well. So, I mean, it, it's always kind of blown my mind that pitchers haven't had the opportunity right. to hit Yeah, like they that, make them really. pick when they get to the minor. Right, right. So, I, I don't know. I, I've always wondered why that was the case, but yeah, it, nice it, to break that trend. Yeah, I'm not sure who who came up with that, but it's been so stingy and consistent, gosh, the last 100-plus years in baseball. That yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get, like, kind of the point I was making. If you go out there and you throw 115, 120 pitches every start, obviously you're going to be pretty limited. You know, you're not going to be able to be throwing the ball in from the outfield or you'd be risking injury probably pretty heavily doing that. But if you're going out and throwing 20 pitches – you can go play anywhere the next day, and yeah. you, you're not going to be really risking anything. For sure. So I think, you know, shifting back into the, the AL West a little bit, you know, big picture looking at, you know, we're way, way, got a long ways to go before we get into this and, and really see it take even form very early in the season. But, um, I mean, you think about there, there's teams playing good base. Right now the Angels are leading the AL West, um, half game ahead of Houston. That's going to be a race to keep an eye on. You would think the Astros are going to win the division. I think every single one of us predicted that coming into this year. But um, if the Angels pitching staff can keep it together, I mean, look for them to, to, to push Houston a little bit. Um, but I think of even Seattle's playing good baseball right now. Um, as if, if Hernandez, Felix Hernandez, can pitch anything like he used to and Paxton keeps up what he's been doing lately, um, you know, they could be a very good team. You, you look at, you know, Seattle, Houston, the Angels. We talked about the Twins and the Indians, the Yankees in Boston. I mean, there's a lot of really good baseball teams competing for minimal spots, even with the two wild card spots available as, you know, as the postseason comes nearer. But, you know, keep an eye on the American League because it's going to be a heck of a race, I think. Um, you know, obviously early and, and a lot can happen, injuries and things like that can happen, but... Um, definitely keep an eye on the AL West as well because that could be that could be a fun race that nobody really expected before the season started. Um, next on around the horn, let's let's dive into um, American League and National League leaders. Um, I think we should just go down and, and read off kind of the leaders for each category. If we want to elaborate, you guys can stop me and chime in at any time. Um, I'll just go the, the top leader for each category. Um, we'll start with the American League, and you're going to kind of see a recurring theme with the first two categories. But um, AL batting average, Mookie Betts batting a whopping 355. I mean, that, that's unheard of. Um, AL home runs, shocker, Mookie Betts again with 13 home runs. Um, AL runs batted in. I think this one's a surprising one. Jed Lowry at 31 RBIs for Oakland. Um, that's just a perfect Oakland A's player. 
Um, as far as pitching, AL wins. Kluber's already got five wins. Severino and Porcello are also tied for that lead. Verlander and Manea are, are close behind with four. Um, earned run average, Verlander's leading at 1.17. Next is Garrett Cole, 1.42. Again, spin rate dilemma, um, something to keep an eye on. The saves leader in the American League is Edwin Diaz at 13. That's kind of a surprising one. A very potent young arm, young closer for the, the Mariners. I think he, he's got lights out stuff. Um, Kimbrell's next at 9, so he's got a nice lead on that. And then wins above replacement. <laughs> Trout's already got a 3.1 war to start the year. That's absolutely amazing if you think about it. Um, so let, let just anybody that jumps out and surprises you um, leading any of those categories, or they can be you know in close contention for that category. Michael, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'd say probably one of the biggest surprises would be Nick Markakis um, leading the batting average race in the NL at three forty four. Been a pretty pretty solid, you know, solid major leaguer, but never some, someone to jump off the, the page at you. I actually picked him up like the first or second week of fantasy. Just kind of, I just kind of needed an extra outfield there, and he had a decent start, and he was just blown up. Um, that's definitely a a surprising one to me. I also say Javier Baez leading the RBIs in the end. was surprising. Um, he's kind of, so far this year, put it all together with his power and slugging and you know, I, I, I wouldn't have really expected this, even being optimistic um, out of Javier. And um, one other kind of surprise would be Carlos Martinez leading with the ERA and the NL. Guy who's always had really nasty stuff for the Cardinals and shown a lot of flashes, but never completely put it together. And this year, it looks like he's really taken the step to Yeah, I mean, he's edging out Scherzer. One, real number one. And... Um, He's, you know, obviously a huge part of why the Cardinals are in first right now. Yeah, Brad, what are your thoughts surrounding uh, the, at least the, let's let's stick right now for the, with the American League leaders. Um, Brad, you're, anyone that jumps out at you, any surprising, um, any surprising players that have gotten off to a great start? And, and anyone maybe leading a category that you could see letting it slip away or, or you don't see them consistently putting up those numbers as the season goes on? I think it's uh, been a great start to the season for D.D. Gregorius. Um, you know, 10 home runs, he's got 30 RBIs, he's in second place. Um, you know, you just you expected that from Stanton and, you know, probably Judge as well. But D.D.'s looking like a legitimate, you know, perennial all-star at shortstop. Yeah. Um, and then on top of him, I think Sean Manaya, uh, the pitcher for Oakland. Yeah, he's got a no-no. Four wins, a no-hitter. He's got a 1.63 ERA. Um, you know, he's been absolutely lights out. And then I, th- I think someone that you could kind of see fall a little bit, um, Andrelton Simmons is hitting 350 right now. I don't picture him hitting, you know, maybe around 300, but typically between 275 to 300, I think he'll fall off a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think also another category to take a look at as far as AL runs batted in, uh, there, I mean, to me, there is. You know, I tip my cap to him, but there's no way Jed Lowry is going to keep pace to lead the AL and RBIs with no. Judge, Stanton, Betts. I mean, you, you go down the line of these these loaded lineups. Even Machado and as bad as the Orioles are, Machado's batting what three fifty five or whatever it is. Um, yeah. You know, JD Martinez, Gary Sant, Chris. I mean, there's no way that Lowry is going to keep pace. If he does, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. Um, 
That, let's jump. Micah, Micah hit on some of the numbers, but just so our, our listeners can get their mind around it, um, I'm going to read through quickly the leaders of the NL categories. So NL batting average, Micah alluded to Nick Markakis batting 344. NL home runs, Harper with 12. NL runs batted in a surprise with Javier Baez at 32. Pollock is second with 29. Um, NL wins, no surprise, Max Scherzer with six wins. His uh, number two, Steven Strasburg, is right behind him with four, tied for the lead with a few other pitchers. Um, NL earned run average, Micah said, and I think it surprised a lot of people, but he's got lights out stuff. Carlos Martinez at 1.62. Another name to keep an eye on in the NL earned run average, Chad Bettis out of Colorado, 2.05. Uh, cancer survivor, by the way. Great story if you're not familiar. Um, you know, a guy that I certainly won't root against with somebody that has a story like that. Um, I think most people that have a heart would, would pull for him. Um, Maybe unless he's playing against, pitching against your team for a particular game, but I, I'd love to see Chad Bettis doing well and pitching at a high caliber because he's got pretty good stuff too. That and obviously I, I don't know if that'll continue, but again, a, a kind of a heartwarming story to keep an eye on. Moving down to saves, Wade Davis with 13 saves. Um, no surprise there; he had a ton of saves last year for the Cubs. And wins above replacement. Uh, the leader is AJ Pollock with a two uh, wins above replacement. And I don't know about you guys, but that just puts it in perspective for me. I know they put a lot of emphasis on war in terms of advanced analytics and things like that. Think of how good A.J. Pollock has been. He's sitting at a two war, which is obviously outstanding, and Mike Trout's sitting at 3.1 at the moment. Yeah. I mean, that, that just to put that in perspective of how good Mike Trout is and how spoiled we are to witness that man play on any given night, is is truly amazing. Um, so that that's your AL and NL leaders. Um, Brad, is there anyone? I know Micah hit on a little bit. Is there anyone from the NL that surprises you? I think Patrick Corbin's having a really good year. Um, you know, he was a guy that was a really highly touted prospect coming up, and you know he's he's been pretty average over the last couple of years, but it looks like he's finally um, putting it together, and he's going to have a breakout year. Yeah. So we hit on all the guys that are off to a good start, obviously. There are some players that are off to a slow start. Um, Mike, I know we are, with us being diehard Cubs fans, um, you know, two guys that come to mind right away are, are Darvish and Rizzo. Darvish was sent to the DL today for, um, or yesterday for influenza or something, and, and Rizzo's been pretty horrendous to start the season. Um, Mike, are there any other players that have maybe surprised you that they're off to as slow a start as they have um or even I, you could spin it in let's say surprise breakouts um guys that are just over the top you know running through pitching or hitting or whatever that that have really surprised you um yeah i guess i'll i'd say the darvish thing has been the biggest one for me just almost um, i think only had one good start really so far and I think you know there's a lot of expectations on him signed a big contract coming over and he just hasn't delivered at all um I'm not too terribly concerned I mean it's still very early and I think he'll figure it out his I think his stuff is you know it's too good for him to just completely fall off the table results wise but I would say that's that's one where that, that's been the biggest letdown to me of anyone. Yeah, Brad, any any guys that have surprised you that really haven't gotten going? 
Um, no one really comes to mind. I didn't have very high expectations <laughs> for the Tigers. Sure. So, I mean, no one there is really disappointing. Um, Candelario's had a nice breakout to start the year. Who's that? Jimer. Candelario. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, he could be, you yeah. could spin it as a breakout for him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I think has, you know, some real breakout potential, he's been killing the ball. Lance um, Martin. No, Matt <laughs> Adams from the Washington yep. Nationals. I picked him up off the waivers in fantasy. He had two yeah. bombs last night. Yep, he, he is on an absolute He's got 10. Tear. Yeah, and a lefty slugging first baseman. Um, you know, he's obviously a big, big boy who can, who can hit the ball. Um, two guys that, that jump off to me that have gotten a slow start. Obviously, Mike and I are a little biased, and we watch a lot of NL baseball just being Cubs fans. But two guys that have, have really surprised me so far this year that are batting literally like 150. I mean, you could check. I, I, don't, I don't think they're higher than like 155. And they're two St. Louis Cardinal players, um, Matt Carpenter and Dexter Fowler, both really strong. I mean, they're everyday guys who have been key contributors on very good baseball teams in both St. Louis. Fowler was with the Cubs. I know Fowler struggled a little bit last year, but then picked it up a little bit. Um, those two are somebody to keep an eye on. I'll be curious to see what St. Louis does with them because Carpenter's kind of been their heartbeat um, the last six, seven years. And... He's really struggling right now, and, and Fowler's right there with him. You know, two veteran guys who've been around the game a long time. Um, those two are definitely surprising me um, as far as players off to a slow start. Um, surprise breakouts for me, I, I'm excited about watching Acuna and Albies. Obviously, anytime a rookie comes up, you're not sure how they're going to be, how they're going to adjust to Major League pitching and Major League scouting reports. It's a, it's a whole different ball game. Um, and Acuna and Albies seem to be <laughs> translating uh, – very, very well to Major League Baseball, and, and hopefully those guys can keep it going because I, I don't know about you guys, but I love watching uh, young stars break out. Um, it just makes the game more exciting and, and just reassures that you know baseball's got a positive future with these budding young superstars. Um, next, let's get into uh, – this is a segment recommended by the one and only, and, and Jackson, if, if you're listening to this, um, I'm tipping my cap to you, buddy. Um, he, he brought the idea to me up this past weekend we were together and um, mentioned the idea of, of a segment called The Stretch, you know, being Heart of the Order podcast, baseball-based podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys have even heard of this yet, but we're going to try a new segment called The Stretch, all right? And The Stretch is built around hot takes, all right? So if, if you got a hot take around baseball or a theory or whatever, I guess I could have saved the, the Astros hot take for um, The Stretch. But again, we weren't really accusing at the time. Um, let's get a hot take first and foremost. Again, thank you, Jackson. Um, you're a genius, but you already knew that. Um, will anyone trade for Manny Machado and who will be the team if he does get traded that will bite on him first? Micah, let's start with you. Oh, I definitely think he'll be traded. I mean, the Orioles are 17 games out of first, I think, right now, and it's <laughs> May 8th. So they are 100% have no use for him. If unless they think they can resign him, I mean, and why on that trade they consider that? Him, but um, I think, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind the Orioles are going to trade him. It who he's going to go to, you know, it's really tough because you, it's a hot take. You got to take one. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but you, there's kind of two ways to look at it. There's one that the earlier they trade him, the more the team getting him is going to get out of him. Obviously, yep. this is the last year of his deal after this 
year he's a free agent, so the quicker you trade him, the more value he has in theory. But teams normally like to let the season play out a couple months, see where they are, see what they need before they go out and make yeah. that kind Which of Which is deal. why the deadline is always so popular. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of a, an interesting one. I'm going to go out and I'm going to say the New York Mets will trade for him. Really? Um, they, they kind of they fit the bill to me. They, they have the pitching. You know, it's a big market. It would be a huge splash, huge shot in the arm to their offense and their team. They've got off to a good start. You know, they're a team that tasted a little bit of success in 2015, getting to the World Series, and, you know, have kind of struggled to get that core back. So that's a, you know it's a type of move where it makes sense where to possibly give up some assets for the future um, in order to give themselves a real chance this year. So yeah. I'll, I'll say the Mets, and I'll say Tebow will be indeed included in the deal. Yeah, um, yeah he's going to be the centerpiece coming back. Yeah, that's Brad. What's your what's your hot take for better. the stretch on Manny Machado? Where, where is he going to end up? Who's going to pull um, the trigger? I won't take too much of your thunder because. I would like to say Cubbies, but you know a little bit more about that. So I'm going to take the Dodgers um, with them losing. It makes the most sense, yeah. And, you know, they have the prospects that they could give up to go out and get a Manny Machado. Um, They could be a little flexible next year. They can move Seager to third base. Um, You know, it sounds like Justin Turner could play some second base is what they've said. Um, Because a lot of people didn't think Seager would be a long-term shortstop just because of his big body and kind of his build. Um, so I could see them going out and getting Machado and possibly even re-signing. One thing about the Dodgers, I, I do also think they're a really good fit. But I did, I heard somewhere today that as their roster stands right now, if they were to get Machado, they would be so far over the luxury tax, luxury tax yeah. that next year they would have to pay an, a 50% tax on oh any free agent signings they made. That's a big deal. And obviously, yeah. with, I think it, as, if, as the roster stands right now, they're already going to have to pay a 20% tax on any uh, free agent signings. And if they were to get Machado and not move anyone else, they would be up to 50. Now, with that being said, I, I guess I would just say they will probably do some maneuvering of other players if they were if they were to go get Machado, but yeah, I mean the fit is it, it's the best fit in my opinion because uh, you know they obviously have a bunch of talent and they just lost the shortstop and Machado's. Oh, I, little I mean, just, sorry to cut you off, Mike, but a little breaking news right now: Cubs and Marlins uh, clearing benches a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it, it's not nothing too bad, but I actually like it. It's all the bullpens are running in now. I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I got. Uh, of course, Castro's joking around with guys in the middle of it. So it's not it's not serious. But when's the last time the Cubs bench is cleared? It's it's been a while. So we'll see if this uh, translates. Sorry to cut you off, Mike, but not every day we get to see the Cubs benches clear a little bit. Um, and it's Caratini at the centerpiece of it, which I actually like. You know, earn your stripes, kid. I, I like that. But um, so so sorry, Mike. I didn't, I totally oh, yeah. got off. I mean, I, I was just. <laughs> Finishing up the, I think the Dodgers may be the best fit. It's just they're gonna have to do some uh, maneuvering. Yeah, no, I, I do think that the Dodgers make the most sense. And again, to me, a big market like the Dodgers probably doesn't matter if they have to pay whatever tax and electric tax. It's probably not a big deal for the Dodgers. I know it's a lot of money, but let's be honest, the Dodgers aren't hurting for cash. Um, 
I think, yeah, my, my prediction is the Dodgers. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. A lot, a lot of your same points. I think, number one, it's a huge need. And, and if they can pull a guy like Machado, they desperately need him if they want to contend this year, which I think they do. I legitimately think they do. Um, I know they've, they've been dealt with injuries, but, um, you know, with guys starting to come back, it, it makes the most sense in my mind. Um, you know, would I be surprised if the Cubs pulled the trigger? I'd obviously be excited if I was a Cubs fan. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for a team like the Cubs to go after him right now, strictly because why not just wait and see? It, the Cubs have money to spend, whether that's Harper, whether that's Machado, whether they get neither of them or they get one or the other. I don't know. But if, if I'm if I'm the Cubs, and again, my train of thought doesn't mean a whole lot, but why would I go out and give up Addison Russell, Ian Happ, or Schwarber, you know, Elmora, whoever that would be going back, and probably a couple of them, if we're being honest with ourselves, why would I give that up if I knew I had a really, really good shot to sign him in the offseason? You know, if the Cubs are happy with things right now, and, and okay, we're contenders, with Addison Russell at short, even if he's up and down and these young hitters are up and down, our, you know, the rotation's going to come into form, hopefully. We know we're contending this year. Why rush anything? and get rid of some of those young guys for Machado. Why not wait and see if you can sign Manny Machado, okay? And then once we get him, okay, we got Machado, we got Russell. Now we can move Russell and, and Hap or whoever else. Why not see if we can get him first before we have to move any pieces? Again, I don't know if that's what Theo's thinking, but in my mind, that's that's the way I would kind of play it out. If I mean, Almora and Machado are tight. We know the Cubs have ties to Machado, you can't tell me he wouldn't love playing in front of Wrigley and, and being a part of that clubhouse and young core coming through. He fits perfectly into that. Um, not saying Harper doesn't, but why 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 rush anything right now when we have a good chance that we could go out and get him in the off season without having to give up anything other than spend money, um, which the Cubs obviously have a lot of and got room in the budget to sign another big guy. Um, so another um, hot take that I'd like to get your guys' opinion on, and, and you guys can, if you have your own hot take, feel free to, to chime in at any time, but too early Bryce Harper sweepstakes next offseason. Just give me straight shot. Where is he going? I mean, I've always said I think the Cubs are the, the leaders in, in the clubhouse right now, but, you know, you've got, the Yankees out there as well, obviously, and come, going back to the the Nationals isn't out of the question. So I'll say the Cubs. Okay. I'll, I mean, but also let's just put in a preface: if they trade for Machado, that tells me that they're going to go full out and try and keep him. Because no, no question. Yeah, they, there'd have to be some yeah. sort of knowing that he's going to resign. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because why would you give up? Yeah. Exactly. Um, Brad, where's, where's Harper landing? Uh, this one, I actually talked with you about it a couple of days back. We're going to say um, the same thing. <laughs> I think he's going to, I think he's going to be in Atlanta Braves. I, I agree. I'm, I'm excited that you said that. I mean, you look at that team and they're loaded. They're going to have a hole and, and maybe left field or right field where Harper can slide right in, kind of take over for Nick Marcakis. Yeah. Um, I, I think it makes a great fit. A lot of young talent there, a lot to be excited about, and they have the money. Yep. Oh, they. De- I mean, they're not. Yeah, they're not paying a whole lot right now. They they got a younger payroll and or a cheaper payroll with a lot of younger players, I should say. But um, I, I do think I I said it in an earlier episode. 
Um, I, I do think my hot take is is Har- Harper to the Braves. But I do do not sleep on Philly either. They're in a similar position, young core, a lot of money to spend. They spent it on Arietta and Santana a little bit, but they more than have room and a budget to go land a guy like Harper. That would really speed things up. Um, so don't sleep on the Phillies as well. Another kind of stay woke, I think, a team to keep an eye on for the Machado sweepstakes. They got the pieces to do it. They got plenty of guys to move to bring him in. And that is, uh, I'd, I'd hate to see it, but the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I think they're a team that you really, really have to keep an eye on with some of these big chip guys that are going to be moved at the deadline. Um, keep an eye on the Brewers because they got a lot of pieces they could move that would match up value-wise that the Orioles or some of these other teams would be thrilled about getting some of these young guys back. You know, two, three, four guys that could really help, again, kind of speed up your rebuild process that the Orioles are clearly going to have to go through. But... Um, Stay woke on the Brewers as well. Um, they have Orlando Arcia, a young shortstop, but if they were, you know, they're willing to part ways with him and a couple of other young prospects, they could really put a nice package together. Um, do you guys have any other uh, other takes you want to throw out there? Um, doesn't have to be related to, to Harper or Machado or anything like that, but anything you're kind of sitting on that you've been itching to get out? I, I think the Braves are going to win the NL East. Okay, I like it. That see, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about with um, the stretch. Is we want to we want to get into those dis- those discussions and those takes. So, Brad, thank you for that. Micah, what do you got? I think the Braves aren't going to make the playoffs. Braves aren't going to make the playoffs. Okay, I like that's it. Two opposites. I was just thinking before even before even Brad said that I was going to say look at it and say which team that's in first right now do I think is not going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't think the Cardinals will either, but I think the Braves have the, the lowest chance of making the playoffs. Okay, opinion, so I'm I'm going to give you a hot take here. I'm going to say the Los Angeles Angels are not going to make the playoffs. Um, All right, I, that's I'm I'm sticking with it. I other than I I don't really know why or how, but I just I got a feeling that the Angels are going to slide and, and not make the playoffs. Um, I'd love to see Otani in there, but you, you heard it here first. The Angels are not 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 in the postseason. Um, Brad, you want to give us a quick Tigers update with BVC, our next segment? Um, give us a quick snapshot of the rebuild. Um, are the Tigers worth watching? You know, I've actually enjoyed watching the Tigers more this year than I did last year. Um, there just seems to be a little bit more fight in the team this year with uh, the new manager, Garden Hire, seems to – at least have everyone motivated. They don't look like they're dead out there all the time. Um, I alluded to the bullpen issues earlier. You know, it's it's frustrating. I, I don't have very high expectations, but there has been a few bright spots this year. Yeah, so. and it is a pretty weak division. So yeah. there's going to be opportunities to win ball games. Um, my yeah. next next question for our Tigers update with BBC: um, Should Fulmer be dealt? Not unless it's the absolute perfect package. Okay. All right, so, I mean, fair. If, if we get blown away with an offer, I'm all about it. But at this point, you know, we have some arms in the system. You know, I, I think if you could get a handful of great hitting prospects, by all means, go for it. But if not, you know, he's under team control for a few more years. Yeah. You know, see, see what you can get and, and don't hold out until you get what you need. Yeah, I like it. Um all right, well, that, that concludes our uh, Tigers update with Brad, Brad Van Camp's segment. Um, always a pleasure to get your, your thoughts on the, on the Tigers. Um, 
So our last segment is extra innings, and really we're just getting into closing thoughts. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys listening, all of our listeners out there. I know there's millions of them. Um, really appreciate all the love and support. Um, continue to give us feedback, unsubscribe, read, subscribe, give us five stars, comment. You know, if there's segments that you think we should do or topics you want us to dive into in the baseball world, we're always open-minded and, and open to feedback. Um, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, you can you can reach us at heartoftheorderpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us questions. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and, and comment on you know, podcast episodes and things like that. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, Micah, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I think it's been an exciting start to the MLB year. Yep. Um, a lot of storylines to keep an eye on, so it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think we'll, we'll be back uh, next Monday. We're looking forward to another episode. Um, Brad, your closing thoughts. I think we're going to see Nick Senzel getting called up. He's going to be the next uh, – Next big prospect coming up with Cincinnati, so keep an eye out for him. Yeah, it'll be uh, exciting to watch. It'll give Bra- or Reds fans at least something to look forward to a little bit. Well, uh, with that being said, again, we thank you guys for listening as always. Um, we're looking forward to another great episode next week. Be sure to tune in. There'll be tons of storylines between now and then that, that we'll dive deep into. Um, Brad, would you like to bring us home? Yep. Good night, everybody. <laughs>